Welcome to Movie Moments, discussing the greatest movies of all time, plus all the newest films in theaters and streaming. Like us, rate us, share us. Here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Again, everybody, we are off and running with another Movie Moments as we wrap up the month of January, final weekend in January. I'm Mike Rags with Chuck Curry talking about the greatest movies of all time and some that are up ahead and some that have come out. Uh, keep in mind later on on the show, we will explore the summer of 2024, what we're looking forward to the most and some of the major releases. You know, as the weather is dreary outside, it's always good to think of the summer. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, we'll talk about a new movie that hit streaming in this weekend, too. And the Oscar nominations came out. Chuck and I will react to some of the nods and snubs. But let's bring him in right now. Chuck Curry. Chuck, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing really good, Mike. Also, uh, I think there's a really fascinating story to talk about on this week's segment about uh, Doug Lehman and uh, the release of the new movie Roadhouse, which is being described as not really a remake, but more of a reimagining. I think that's... Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty telling story uh, that broke uh, the 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 other day. Well, let's start there because the trailer did hit uh, uh, streamings all, uh, all over the place, and it looks actually pretty good. I mean, he's he looks great, and I I'll watch him in anything. Um, and it looks like that role would fit him like a glove. Now it doesn't look like there's a Sam Elliott uh, character in this movie. Um, don't know much about the female lead, but the villains look like they're interesting. It looks like it's going to be a good action movie. However, Chuck, it's only going to be on Prime. Yeah, I mean the story that broke this week, which is really uh, surprising, but I thought extremely refreshing and daring uh, by the director Doug Lehman, who's a really good director, Mike. I mean, this is a guy yep. who directed Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, Let's not Edge forget Go, one one of his first movies, which was really good. I mean, Go. you're, you're talking you're talking you're talking now about an A-list director, right? Yeah. This is an A-list yes. director makes a public statement that he will boycott the premiere of uh, his new movie Roadhouse, which uh, is scheduled to premiere on Amazon Prime in late March. Now, this movie it was is going to premiere uh, at a film festival called the SX. SW Film Festival, uh, which I think is for uh, I think is for theater owners. If, if I'm if I'm I may may not be right on what is going to premiere in a theater. And then his beef in a public statement that when he cultivated this movie, when he agreed to do this movie, when he signed on to do this movie, uh, Amazon Prime, which bought MGM, made a commitment publicly stating that they would release three. Uh, excuse me, they would release twelve movies per year and get behind the theater industry. Uh, and now he says that they've reneged on that promise. And despite the fact that this movie, which he says is tested through the roof in preview screenings, he actually said, this might be my best film. And mm. based on some of the movies that we just listed, that is a pretty, um, that's a pretty telling statement. So I'm going to make the assumption that this movie's good. I'm going to make the assumption that uh, he's he's factual that this movie tested extremely well in preview screenings, and his beef is that uh, Amazon Prime has made a decision to not put this movie in theaters. He said it was made for theaters. It was designed to play in theaters. Based on that trailer, Mike, there's no reason that this movie uh, is not would not play well in theaters. And here's the thing: Conor McGregor is in this movie. Yep. Uh, Right. Uh, massive popularity. Looks like a nasty villain. Yep. Yep. Looks like a nasty villain. Now, supposedly on social media, 
that this the 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 uh, the movie in general has gotten one point. He said, "I don't impressions. I don't know exactly what that means." But there's a lot of awareness on social media based on the fact that one, it's remaking a movie that has a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of fans from the 1980s, which is Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Conor McGregor and the MMA uh, is huge in this country, if not worldwide. So it has a lot of viability if this would play in theaters. Yet Amazon Prime has made the decision to basically take this movie and play it only on the streaming network. What, what's your thoughts on that? And I'll well, expand. You know, and it's really weird, too, because unlike the other streamers um, like Peacock and, and Netflix that that really have to go out of their way to try to get new subscribers. I mean, Amazon Prime should never have problems getting subscribers because you get other services when you sign on to Prime Video. So it's not like, you know, you have to stick it out. Usually most people that are using Prime Video already are getting deliveries. They're de getting all that stuff. Um, I, I just, to me, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Look, if you want to put it on Prime a month later, two months, three months later, all right, I can live with that. But to debut it on Prime, to dig your heels in and say it's not going to any theaters when it looks like you might have a viable product on your hands, um, it, it, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make much sense to me. And we've talked about the business model that is this for quite some time here, how this yes. is fiscally responsible for Amazon Prime to do. You're really going to have a hard time convincing me. No, if so I, if I'm a stockholder in Amazon yeah. Prime and I see them doing stuff like this, I'm like, well, what? wait a minute here. We have a chance to make some profit with movie theaters. Um, what are you going to gain? A couple extra subscribers that would normally use your other service? I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, now here's the thing uh, on, on a couple of different levels. Let's expand on this. It's a known fact, and they've done studies on this internally, that a movie that plays in a movie theater that had a marketing campaign that has public awareness always, and I mean Mike always plays better when it hits streaming because the awareness is much broader, broader. Right. The right. anticipation of excitement of people wanting to see something that they didn't see in a theater goes way up. I think right. common logic would tell you that is a factual statement. Okay. The second point here is if Amazon Prime makes the statement a year ago that they are going to invest millions and millions of dollars in releasing at least 12 theatrical movies in theaters to support theaters. Why would they renege on that uh, commitment and obligation that they presented openly public? And the third fact, which, I, which I've gone on a tangent here for the last couple of years, is if a movie is released in theaters and it hits, like one of the Fast and the Furious, Jurassic right. World, and it makes a billion dollars worldwide in theaters. There's no possible equation or formula where a studio could make that type of bank playing a movie solely on streaming. Because what they're doing is they're taking uh, a movie. I'm going to make the assumption they spent at least $100 million, if not $75 million at minimum, to make Roadhouse. So... Why not want to recoup your money theatrically and then have more viability and then release it on streaming? I think there's a mindset here among certain people who control these streaming services. I question their knowledge of the his history of the relationship between theaters and studios, the full yeah. understanding of how these movies uh, become viable in the public domain. 
Uh, and, and I also s- s- say to myself, how in the world do they think you could have your cake and eat it too? It's almost like, it's like a marriage. It's like, it's like being married to somebody, right? And the only person that gets gains in that marriage is the narcissistic personality that controls it, right? right. Because right. The, the-, the theater has to make money too to survive. The theater has to be healthy. It seems like the streamers want everything, and then they say, "Okay, we'll we'll, we'll give you we'll give you breakfast, but you're not going to eat lunch or dinner." And how can you have a healthy theatrical system if you if you do this sort of thing? The theaters want that movie. Give that yeah. movie to theaters. Yes, like, and it, it would be successful like there I, too. So my last question to you: what's what's the long game here? I don't know. It almost feels like, and now I'm not. I don't think this is the case, but it almost feels like these streamers are just trying to push, push, push until all movie theaters are gone. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know? or seeing where, or seeing where at least where the breaking point is, right? Yeah, I mean, like, like how hard. But I guess here's a question I had, and I had this two years ago: Who's the voice representing the theaters? Like, and 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 my other question would be: Doug Lehman has gone on. Listen, I don't think this is going to hurt his career because he's a quality director and there's going to be studios who are certainly interested in his services, right? He can yep. take his services anywhere. Somebody's going to say, Doug, we want, especially he's worked with Tom Cruise. And, you know, this is a guy who's, who's made movies with Tom Cruise, good movies, right. real good movies with Tom Cruise. Right. So he, he he's not going to have to worry about where his next gig is going to be. But my question is, why not have, this would be a, a this could be, you know, I don't want to use the word Custer's last stand, but this would be a nice platform for other directors to get to Spielberg, the Tim Burton's, the James Cameron's of the world to get behind Lehman's stance to say, hey, you know, let's get the theatrical yeah. model really healthy here and we both can win. You would but like to nobody- see you would like to see the pushback from A.I. and yes. writers, actors, directors on picket lines have that same vitriol for movie theaters it's almost surprising that there hasn't been this upper i mean yeah we got a great commercial on amc from nicole kidman i mean that's about as far as we've got you don't see the the um the public outrage from the power brokers in in hollywood not at all i.e the 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 movie stars where are the movie stars standing up and saying uh, this is irresponsible i mean i guess it all comes down to work right they're getting work They're, they're doing the project but at the same time, look, here's the bottom line. Would Barbie right. or Oppenheimer been a cultural fascination uh, to take over the world by storm if it was only released no. on Max? No. And the answer no. is easy. No, it's not. So why wouldn't you as a studio want to try to recapture that every time you put money into a project? If you don't believe in the project enough to release it in a movie theater, how about this? Hold on to your money. Don't spend stupid money on movies that aren't going to get anywhere. How about that? Why don't we just produce 30 movies a year and they're all good and they all go in theaters instead of schlock and movies like we'll talk about in a little bit with Snoop Dogg. And, and, and you know, I, I know we need movies and product far and wide, but if I'm a producer and I'm writing my name on a check, I know what I'd want. And I don't understand why producers today don't go for that and strive for that every time. Let, let- Every Two time I wouldn't be running a production company that banks on Nicolas Cage's 17 movies a year to finance. I would not finance that. And I don't understand I, how people do that. One other point, And then I'll bounce into another point on this subject about Netflix. 
Tom Hanks did a few streaming movies, right? Right. Well, I know one was sold to Apple. The, and I'm going to ask you a question. He did a submarine movie that played on Apple. He did a movie with a robot that played on Apple. Which did was actually recall? very good, called Hardy. Okay. It was really good, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my question is, I don't even recall the titles of those, those films. Right. Tom Hanks is, I, I don't want to, listen, I, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Hanks. He's one of the greatest iconic actors of all time. He's a huge part of our pop culture in the last few generations, this generation for, for certain. But my point is, is Tom Hanks culpable in this mess that, that we have just. Well, in a way out? he is because he probably has the power to say, no, these are going right to, they're going to theaters and then they'll be, he probably has that power. He probably does as an actor, as a movie star, I would think the, the Ryan Reynolds of the world, um, you know, I think that that movie, the, the Christmas movie with Will Ferrell, the musical, he probably, mm -hmm. those two guys probably could have st taken a stand and said, no, here's what, you know, I don't want this released unless it's going up. Hey, Chip, we got movies getting made that aren't even getting released. So obviously the model's wrong. You got news this week that Holly Berry has a movie in the can and they don't even know what to do with it anymore. I mean, I got that story. I I'll tell you that story. Uh, do you know the title of it? It's a sci, it's a sci-fi movie, right? Yeah. We shot two years ago. It was a Netflix, Netflix product backed by Netflix money. Shot two years ago, uh, it got delayed due to the actors in the writer's strike. They go into post-production, and then Netflix comes back and says, we don't want to commit to any more money for post-production work, so the movie will basically go into the trash heap, become a tax write-off over at Netflix. Holly Berry, the cast, the crew, the people, the director, the producer, people behind the scenes who work probably very hard and diligently on this film, this movie will never see most likely the light of day unless they take the product and shop it somewhere else. But if they do, whoever agrees to maybe want to buy it, not only has to buy what Netflix spent on it, but they have to invest more money in post-production. Uh, I think this is sort of the ripple effect after the cancellation over at Warner Brothers of the Batgirl uh, movie. There's another you're one. Gonna yeah. see, you're mm -hmm. you're going to see a little bit more and more of it. Uh, this type of thing really rarely ever, if not ever happened, uh, a decade or more ago, um, you know, it's it's fairly alarming. I'll give you another uh, thing to bounce off. This week it was announced Netflix. Now, this is not movies, but it's Netflix in general. Uh, they cut a deal with the WWE, uh, a 10-year, $5 billion deal to air Monday Night Raw, which has been, been airing on USA Network forever, right? $5 billion, 10-year deal. And then I just read last mm -hmm. night, uh, Netflix has acquired temptation island um <laughs> one of these right. one of these basic cable networks so it appears and i read an article because I, I i was thinking about this and an article popped up and it, it, it was sort of uh surreal but it the article said is netflix becoming the largest basic cable network uh ever created it appears that they're going a little bit in that direction with these uh with with these two deals mike why didn't i have stock in it when they were mailing out dvds that's what i want to know holy crap uh well obviously th the model is somewhat working for them because they're spending money hand over fist and not even caring about it and then sometimes pissing it away and not even caring about it so i don't uh you know we question if this is right or wrong as a as a producer or as a network uh the uh, the real question with and I think it's brilliant to get the WWE. That I think that's a, probably a. Uh, I do too. So, but, but here, 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 to tap into. I agree. Um, but, but here's the question: here, the ahead. price of the the price of Netflix is is going to go up again, and I'm paying twenty two dollars a month for Netflix. Mm -hmm. At what point in time, you know, much like people started pulling the plug 
uh, on cable because it was getting too expensive. At what time do they start hit that price point where, you know what, it just ain't worth it. I will give them credit. This last 12 months, they've come out with a lot more good product. I'm going to answer that question. Go ahead. Okay. I just, because Netflix doesn't let you uh, share password share anymore. I have Netflix at home, but the majority of my, my time is spent in my business. Right. Right. So I, I just, uh, I just subscribed to Netflix with their um, ad based for 699. Right. right. I got to right. be honest with you, Mike. I rarely do. I rarely see ads pop up. On the yeah, I do the same thing. I do the same thing for Hulu. And even yeah. when the ads pop up, I mean, I, it doesn't bother me as much as I guess when we were growing up and there was a, you know, there, there were four minutes of commercials. It's a lot different. Usually if there's an ad block, it's usually no more than a and, minute. And, 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 and Netflix is only in the beginning. I, right. I'll tell you another thing. The other day. Now, Max does not Max. My subscription to Max does not. It does not have ads. Right. Right. So. I put on San Andreas because, you know, I put on San Andreas once every two weeks. Right. Right. And in the yeah. beginning, before the movie started, an ad popped up and it yeah. said I could skip. That's the first time I've ever seen that on Max. But clearly, here's the point. It is evident that the streamers want to go to that ad based model because that's where they're going to eat their cake, uh, have a cake and eat it, too. If they get well, you know, people on board with that. Yeah. It's interesting, you know. The AMC's and the and the Cinemarks of the world had nowhere to go, but the major networks, they found a way to say, "Look, ABC, NBC, CBS, it's not they're not even viable networks anymore. It's their streaming apps that are just kind of surpassing them as um, relative being relative. So uh, relevant, I mean, and and <clears throat> you you got Hulu, uh, Peacock, and Paramount Plus." I mean, Fox mm-hmm. has probably got to catch up a little bit, but a lot of their stuff's on Hulu as well. It's just yeah, like, well, just I, I cannot, and I know you make fun of me all the time. I do not know one person that can't wait for a Friday night at 10 o'clock to watch Chicago, whatever is on fire, hope, PD. I that's don't know Wednesday. anybody that's still waiting it. I got to watch it when it's on on Tuesday night at 10. That's Nobody does that anymore. And so how yeah. are these networks even viable unless they have a streaming service? Well, listen, we talked about because, uh, you know, I did the interview with John Cryer a few weeks ago and, and I asked John about uh, the, the popularity streaming. And listen, uh, extended family and night court air uh, Tuesday nights at eight and eight thirty. And then next day available and archived on Peacock, which is owned by uh, NBC. And evidently those two shows are doing between both, you know, over five million viewers. Um a week. Yeah, they need they need each other. The networks need their streamers. Yeah, but the theaters there's, there's no don't have that. The, the theaters don't, unless AMC develops their own streaming service, uh, they don't right. have that. And that's where I, I don't understand why nobody gets behind them and tries to save them. Uh, Here's know, another idea. Here's another idea. And I, we talked about this on the program. Remember I told you about United Artists? United, United Artists was started, I, I think if I recall, in the 1940s. And the United Artists uh, the, the theatrical studio was started to give a voice and a distribution to artists who wanted to do a certain thing and bypass a lot of the studio politics. Why not pool enough resources and money and enough talent who have a strong voice in the industry to basically say, this is our studio. Our studio only makes movies initially for the theatrical model, obviously. They're going to um, sell a product down the road. The streamers, they have to. You'd be stupid not to. But to have powerful voices in the industry to say, 
We're creating our own studio. We're bringing our talent to this studio, and unless we're going to play by yeah, our rules. Unless you get the biggest talent, you're not going to fill theaters up, and it, and theaters are going to shut down left and right. Because you you know, I t- we talked about this years ago about multiplexes. Mm-hmm. Multiplexes probably need to all go away, and they need to be at most three movie theaters in one setting, and and mm-hmm. that is the only viable way to recreate the model that you grew to in the '80s. Um, I just think that you have to simplify things get back to the basics and fill up two movie theaters at a time for six showings a day not 12 and uh, i like your idea of a studio getting backing only just movie theatrical releases but unless Mm -hmm. 10 of those theaters are going to have fast and furious 9 you're not going to have enough product and you're not going to have enough people to go to i barely want to go to the movies anymore and i'm the biggest movie fan there is in the world so Mm -hmm. how are you going to get the average look make a great movie Sell it on the big screen. You'll make a lot of money. You can do it. Barbie did it. Oppenheimer. Look, I know we're, we're, we're narrowing down two or three a year, but look, that's the basics. That like if you had, if you had didn't have multiplexes, Barbie would have been an even larger phenomenon. Um, so my so so the point is we don't you know, have they, the answer. I don't I, I know, don't know the answer. But, but here's but the here's, thing, Chuck. The, the thing we grew up on lines around the block. To get into a theater, movies getting re-released the next year and still having, you know, big major theatrical runs in a re-release. We we need a model that's new that's equivalent to that phenomenon because mm-hmm. it's the only way movie theaters would be able to stay viable. And I don't know what that is, but until you have a line around the block, I have to go to the movie theater to see it. Um, there's just you knock the theaters are going to be they're going to be closing left and right, and it breaks my heart. Um, I just wish we had an answer. I don't know if we do. I mean, I mean and we, can, so we could talk about AMC's we're on the same public page. Offering. What's yeah. that? I said there's only so many times AMC could do a new public offering right. and water down their stock. I mean, this yeah. stock, you won't stock an AMC. That stock has no viability. It's nothing. It's, it's, it's absolutely it's, nothing. That stock is, is worthless. And it's never going to be where it was because it's so diluted. And that's yes. the problem. And you yeah. can only do that, 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 that uh, you know, reorg stock uh, offering is basically uh like throwing a light preserver in a water with people with chalk swimming around it it's only yeah. gonna you know yeah. it's only gonna keep uh the people uh, the, the entity floating so long but in closing i would say doug lehman you know uh thank you very much for taking that stand i think other people need to get behind him and ultimately i think this might come down to you know if the un could try to resolve uh, world peace issues i think you're gonna have to have Sort of a human meeting uh, in the in the industry as a whole to get you know some of the smarter people uh, who have passion about making this work for everyone because I do believe there's a way to make this work for everyone but if you know if your opinion is only based on the people who pay you um, you know we know we know how history ends that one. All right. Well. Uh, heading into the, a different conversation is here's the reason we get crap like the underdogs, which is one of the new movies that came out this weekend. There is a movie called Miller's girl, which does have Jenna Ortega hitting the screens right now. But if you know about it, I'd be shocked. Um, nobody's building off her Wednesday success to make a movie, uh, a pop to want to go to the theaters, but it's a sexy drama with her and Martin Freeman. Um, the star of uh, black Panther and such looks interesting right. enough, but it's not going to fill theaters. So instead why not stream the underdog starring Snoop Dogg, Chuck? Now, look, I like Snoop Dogg. I think he has appeal. I think he's funny at times. 
he is a bit of a one trick pony, but that one trick pony he owns, right? He, he, he personifies it and people like him. Um, and and this film is rated R it's very rated R the underdogs from blunts to runs. Now what it wants to be, what it wants to be is the bad news bears of our, of our time. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can only imagine back in the seventies when Tanner and the likes were saying, Bad words, but not as bad words as, as as we get in this movie. That it probably was a little shocking for audiences, and part of the appeal of that movie was the fact that you got little kids talking like this. Now, this is a—I mean, this movie drops f bombs and and I mean every curse word you can imagine right out of the gate. Whether it's coming from Snoop Dogg or Mike Epps or any of the kids, um, it's about a bunch of um, football players, a youth league that um, mm-hmm. he takes over and tries to coach. Um, and I'm telling you, it. Look, I, I'm. I don't mind vulgar movies, but when you got kids like this, and it's it's an underdog sports movie, it's really. Who, they made, who, who, who did they make this movie for? First of all, it's it's on Amazon Prime. This was supposed to be a theatrical release, and they deemed it. I guess they didn't want to spend marketing money, so they just it's a streaming movie. It's streaming yesterday who, who did they make this movie for mike and i'll give you my I, I, i'm i'm only thinking snoop dogg fans um that's it uh, it's not yeah. uh, kid not fans of sports movies it's not fans of kids movies because it's not either of those it, and i'm guessing it plays to his fans but to a point where um you're exploiting um a genre that is re- i mean it, it's really upsetting and here's what bothers me the most about this film not Tell that me. it's not any good, because it isn't. And there's it's a, watch, know, but it is it is watchable. But, but the I, minute I, they I agree with swearing, everything, it's like yeah. oh, it's like yeah, there's some watchable stuff. But it's like the minute these kids start cursing and saying some of the things they're saying, like, well, what are we doing here? And then the thing that bothers me the most about this, it's actually based kind of on a true story, because Snoop Dogg's done the right thing and started youth football programs up around right. the country for kids to to have this outlet to play football. And in fact, at the end of the movie, over the final credits, you see him interacting with kids. You see him. Uh, running these leagues there's an interesting story here and they go ahead and just exploit it for cheap laughs and cheap r-rated curse words and that's that's what's wrong with this film and i hate sound like the old man on the front yard but you know there is an interesting topic here and they just ran it into the ground with a very vulgar movie i completely here's the thing the movie starts off it has a disclaimer right did you see the disclaimer yes yes and the disclaimer says the movie you're about to see uh you know is is not 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 for not made for kids right and then it, it, and i read it and i was like okay understood and then another disclaimer comes on underneath that is in writing a lot of vulgarities that's sort of like yeah but your, your kids are gonna watch this blah 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 yeah like they're gonna movie. sneak in yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. And, and and right there i i when i read that i was like boy that's pretty that's a pretty harsh tone they're going for so yeah. then i'm wa- i'm watch, watching the movie and after the film, I pulled up this stat. The most F-bombs ever in, <laughs> in a movie. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, 569 F-bombs. Wow. Here's another example. Summer Sam, Spike Lee, Summer Sam, 435 F-bombs. I always thought it was Scarface, but Scarface is in the middle of the pack. 207 F-bombs. <laughs> Where's Goodfellas? I would have thought Goodfellas. Uh, he, it's in there, too. It's yeah. in there, too. Now, here's the thing. I was watching this movie with a buddy of mine. Um, I finished it last night. I watched the first half in the morning, second half at night. And we looked at each other and we kept shaking our head. And again, listen, I like edge and you know that I yeah, like it. I think, I, think I like edge, but there's a point where you say like, do they really think by such an excessive use of the F bomb in a movie with kids 
that that's going to be entertaining or something people want to watch. I got to be honest, Mike, when this movie ended or even throughout, I felt like I needed to take a shower. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like, it was beyond grimy. And the last five minutes completely rip off the ending of the Bad News Bears. Of like, course they like, do. Oh. Of course. And I don't, I, I don't know if you noticed. I don't think the movie has a score. I, well, I don't I think they use, I mean, a, outside I don't think they of use like, any sort of a score. Yeah, outside of the, you know, uh, hip-hop songs and things. Of that and nature, and also right. Snoop, Snoop Dogg, who I have a feeling now, I read the production budget of this film was $30 million. Wow. Right? It was, it was done by the director of Drumline. Right? I mean, it's competently shot. It's well lit. The movie is watchable. We're not saying this movie's not watchable. This movie's watchable, but it's so vulgar. Uh, and this, the character Snoop is playing is so he's unlikable, Mike. He's very like, unlikable. He's not. He's not likable. I mean, you, you can't look at this person and see. Like, here's the thing. And I said to my buddy, I made a comparison when we're watching. I said, you know, in in Bad Santa, Billy Bob Thornton, you know, curses, and he's not always a great guy, but he does have some redeeming value. Right. 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 Snoop Dogg's character, he feels like they don't want him to have much redeeming value, except at the end. And he has yeah. sort of a, 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 an epiphany, uh, and, and and some of that stuff is flat, so it, it's not inspiring. Right? Well, it's he not can't really, act, so let's you know he's yeah, he not. Can't I mean, he can't show that kind of emotion on screen. So right, and he's carrying, he's carrying, he's carrying the movie, and and then at the end, when when the when the when the women and the parents yeah. and the stands are using vulgarity, and, and then yeah. they walk on the field, you know, <laughs> singing this vulgar song. It's like we like. I got to be honest with you. I think this movie is going to have um, an interest only to the fact that it's hard to believe that the people who made it could feel good about lacing this movie with so many F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. It was relentless. And sometimes it was absolutely F-word, relentless. Sometimes the F-word's the, the tamest thing they're doing and some of the phrasing and some of the things they're saying, including that chant at the end that these kids oh. and parents are like are all uh, and, and you know like, we this is like uh, the end of Rudy. Everybody ch- <laughs> what are they like, doing here. It's, it's stunning. I do, but George Lopez does have a funny throwaway line after the chant. I will say that. It's one of the few yeah. times oh, okay. I actually laughed but out here, loud. I, I pulled up the reviews, right? And I read Pete Hammond. Now you know the name, right? Pete yeah, Hammond, yeah. right? Said this movie's hilarious. I, yeah, no, it's not. It's so not to hilarious each your own. Pete, I don't know if you're listening, but come on. Like, come on. <laughs> well, let's move come on, on to better movies. Uh, the 2024 Oscars coming up uh, with the nominees this last week. And I guess let's start with the biggest controversy of them all, if you can call it that, Chuck. And I, I, and I kind of agree with some of the, the, the pushback the Academy got. No Greta Gerwig, no Margot Robbie, but... Best Picture nominee for Barbie and and uh, Gosling gets nominated for Ken. So the whole message of the actual movie is women empowerment, women run the day, and the two lead ladies for this movie don't get nominations. That's a bit of a hiccup, Chuck. That I I especially Greta Gerwig. You can't a little, make a, a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I agree. And and not be nominated yeah. for best best director. That's and Margot yeah. Robbie's the face of it. It's a, it's a kind of a slap. I mean, it's not really very, very well, I, good form. But even in the inside, I could live with Margaret Robbie not getting nominated because there's a lot of talent in the in all these categories this year. This is a good year. But her her snub is is perplexing at best. And you almost have to wonder wonder when you look at all these nominations. It 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 almost feels like somebody sat at a table. Yep. 
and and scratched off every box. Get the check marks out. Yep. And, and that happens every feels, year. It, Are you telling it, me? It, it feels that way. You're telling me. That, look, I, I I I'm sure the anatomy of a fall is a very good movie in the zone of interest. Fine. Uh, I'll, whatever. But you're telling me that we need to honor foreign directors when they have their own category instead of Greta Gerwig. I mean, I just have a problem with that. Um, maybe that's American bias, but you know, I, and maybe they should start expanding. If you're going to nominate 10 best pictures, maybe you should have more than five best director, uh, nominees. I'm just saying, cause it's not fair for a movie to be best picture. And the person responsible from the minute you sit down at a, a, a read table to the final cut of the film is not nominated. It never makes any sense, Chuck. And it, it, so, it sort of feels, it sort of feels hard to believe that a lot of these ultimate nominations are just b- done by random ballot, Mike. Yep. I, I agree. I agree. Cause, and if you're going to tell me now, look, I, I'm, I'm for equality and, and I, I'm the me least too. racist person on, on this earth. But if you're telling me that a white male lead actor is now the underdog to get, if you're telling me that they're not the underdog to get nominees anymore, you're crazy. I'm sorry. It's just true. I think they go out of their way sometimes. Like you said, it's like, or what box do we need to check here to make sure we have the most diversity in a certain category? It's not fair. Um, just go by merit, go by talent. I will say the best actor category is probably the most fascinating of all, Chuck, because you got Bradley Cooper, who's behind all of Maestro, Paul Giamatti, who's winning all the awards, who's fantastic in the holdovers, but Killian Murphy is the lead of the maybe the best movie of the year, Oppenheimer, and Coleman Domingo goes back to a a, a, a racial point in time, um, so he's got that card playing for him, and I got to tell you that the the work I've seen from Jeffrey Wright, not only in his career but in this movie that's getting a lot of buzz, American Fiction. I think this this you got five guys. This is kind of a dead heat to the finish line here. Listen, these kind of these they, like I said, this year they've really gotten back to where it used to be. To a point, in my opinion, where you know the last uh, five to seven years is so much the smaller independent stuff movies that the general public never. Even saw a chance, yeah, or we'll yeah, ever see. Yeah. This year, uh, these movies uh, have a ma- the majority of them have a lot of uh, viability. And getting back to your point of 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 you know diversity and nomination, I think the 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 question uh, and the focal point should be in distribution. It should be movies right. that are diverse. We they need better distribution. They need yes. they need studio system behind those movies to push them. To give them a chance to have a scope where the general public gets their eyes on this film, but these movies have viability both theatrically and streaming, and I think a lot of the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, I agree. And if there was one nominee, I mean, Carrie Mulligan for Best Actress. I mean, there's just not enough screen time for me there. I think that's where Margot Robbie might have gotten the snub. Um, mm-hmm. And and Maestro got a lot more uh, uh, support than I thought it would. Uh, based on my lukewarm review, it's 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 good to me, not great. Um, maybe though, uh, you know, between Oppenheimer and Poor Things, those are the ones that kind of lead all nominees. This could be Nolan's year, where it just and then maybe Killian Murphy gets wrapped up in that swing and he gets that win too. I, I if if going into the telecast in a, f- a couple of few weeks, um, I'm rooting for Oppenheimer and Nolan to get all the success. And that's basically career bias, 
but I mm-hmm. think it's his time, much like Schindler's was Steven's time. I think this might be Nolan's time to finally say, all right, enough's enough. This guy is one of our best uh, the- theatrical movie uh, makers that we have right now. Uh, I don't disagree. And obviously the movie made a ton of money when the industry needed, it, especially theater owners. That's why, you know, listen, the, the summer of, uh, of Bobby and, and Oppenheimer um, is a great thing. Yeah, and it's a great thing they they both because it took the industry in a different direction. It needs to go in a different direction. And it's good that they recognized both movies, although Oppenheimer was a no-brainer. But a movie like Barbie 10, 20 years ago might not get nominated at all because we've had we'll have 10 movies like Barbie in one year. So it almost gets ignored. This time you can't you cannot um it reminded me of when Ghost got nominated for Best Picture, right? it's an okay movie. It's got its moments, but Best picture. I mean, come on. And the reason it did is because everybody saw it. Everybody loved it. You, you had a great love story. Right. You had a good performance by Whoopi in it. Patrick Swayze is a big star now. I mean, it took America. It took them over. Uh, and that it, you need to recognize movies like that, not ignore them or spite them because they're so popular. This is, I think you know goes to your point of of what the Academy tries to do sometimes. How about recognizing popularity and what America wants? Um, uh, it, it, I agree. It just, I agree. The one thing, the one thing they did do is they kind of ignored Taylor Swift, um, which I thought there'd be a way to finally get her, you know, to get her to come, you know, you couldn't get like, I don't know, best documentary or something like that, just to make sure Taylor comes one of her songs. I know they're not original songs made for the movie, but I don't know. I, I would have thought they would have found a way to somehow get her nominated and get her to the I told you that 10 months ago, right, Chuck? Chuck, Mm -hmm. you want people watching the show, get Taylor Swift. Look what the NFL's doing. I mean, get Taylor Swift to the event. People have eyes on it. And, you know, I'm sure they'll invite her and she might come because she was a part of the cinema of the year. But they they didn't do any favors by not nominating it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they're inviting her. I'm sure they'd love to have her. Actually, I'm going to be doing a fundraiser for my local nonprofit theater that I'm heavily involved in. I'm probably going to say, send Taylor an invite, but I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Ho- hopefully she's available. We'll see. Well, she, <laughs> if, if, the, if the chiefs win this weekend, you know, she's going to be tied up for at least two more weeks and she's going to be in, uh, I think it overseas uh, doing some shows, yeah. but I mean, she might be able to squeeze in Stroudsburg. Who, who do you Why think not? the NFL's root? Who do you think the NFL's rooting for this weekend? Um, Mike, they are all in on the chiefs, baby. They are all oh, in oh, yeah. because they're a villain now too. So you get the best of both worlds. Half the yes. country will hate them and half the country yep. will watch because of taylor swift so it mm-hmm. all eyes will be on they i mean the ravens that, that has no cachet uh, other than pure football fans that just want to see great L- listen i actually think uh i know we're veering here but i actually think the uh chiefs that get the lions would be a great super bowl match i do too in terms of I story too. i do yeah. too i i couldn't agree more all right uh we've got a lot covered already um let's get into some movie news and then we'll talk about uh the summer of 2024 chuck we, we talked about some stuff already, but what else you got for us? The only real s- story that, that I thought was interesting, I, I guess they're uh, the, the casting for the new Supergirl who will appear in uh, Superman Legacy and then spin her off into her own film, Superman, The World of Tomorrow. Uh, two actresses that I've got to be honest, I'm not really familiar. I did look at their pictures. One's name is Millie um, Alcock, who is in The House of the Dragon. From what I read, she's a, uh, a really uh, good talent she's 23 years old and the other um uh her, her name uh i think it's uh, uh Mil- millie donnelly uh she was in the disney t- tv movie she's also 23 years old she has a more a uh, classic supergirl look so it's between 
two act. They did a screen test for James Gunn uh, over at uh, Warner Brothers. I guess that casting announcement will be made, will be made probably in the next 30 to 60 days. And I, I got to tell you, I'm interested in going back because I was curious about uh, finding something to watch. And I actually watched the original Supergirl from 1984 on Max. And I got to tell you, Mike, I could not believe how bad that movie actually was uh, were, I mean, I, as a, if I gave that movie a star rating at a zero to four, despite the fact that you know I I, I like Helen Slater, to it you know she's a likable person, but it's almost a non-performance. Faye Dunaway's terrible. Hot Bachner is embarrassing. I give that movie zero out of four. It was that bad, and it's hard to believe that they could cultivate Superman one and two over at Warner Brothers. The quality, the effects, the action, the emotion of those two films, and then completely crash and burn with. Uh, Supergirl and then Superman uh, 3 and 4. Although Superman 3 has some viability. 4 is terrible. But Supergirl truly is an absolutely terrible movie from 1984 and and an embarrassment uh, in the annals of uh, superhero history. So they're not going to go with Supergirl that was in The Flash. Is that what you're telling me? They're they're not. And the reason is why? Because they don't want to attach themselves to that same universe. So they're going to reboot they're going to reboot going forward. I actually thought that the, 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 the if I go just basically basic on look, uh, basis on look, the, the, the actress uh, Millie Alcock, I, I see it sort of has an edgy uh, look, and, and, and I sort of liked her look. Uh, McDonald looks they, more like the cart, the comic, but I yeah, agree. Yes. Chuck, let's look uh, real quick at the summer of 2024 and some of the big movies that are coming out. Um, we left you last week at the end of April, and you know, we talk about the A-team and, and and TV shows of the like. You know, the summer season basically starts with the fall guy, Ryan Gosling, um, playing Colt Seavers, I think only by name, right? I Looking at the trailer, this does not look anything like the, the TV show. Um, uh, you know, which right. is kind of a cheat to me. I mean, if you want to just make a a, a a movie where Ryan Gosling's a stunt man that does other things, but they're calling it the fall guy. They're giving him the lead character name and, and away we go. Uh, it looks interesting enough. I like seeing him in stuff like this. Um, your thoughts on whether or not this will actually find a huge audience. Here's my first thought. I mean, listen, go before Bobby, Ryan Gosling, uh, how, you know, how viable is he pulling massive uh, crowds at the box office? Bobby obviously was a game changer and a huge movie. Probably the Not biggest. Because of him. No, but probably the biggest movie he's ever been involved in in terms of popularity, right? $1.4 billion worldwide. It's going to be interesting to see if that audience that he probably cultivated with Bobby is going to follow into the fall guy. You know, it's an expensive movie. I'm assuming this is a $150 to $200 million uh, film. So he's going to have to do some major coin at the box office. Some other good stuff coming out in May. A Amy Winehouse a biopic will come out on May 10th, along with on IMAX, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, another installment in this reboot. Um, Chuck, I mean, to me, they've gone to the well an awful lot here. I'm not quite sure how this one's going to be different than anything else. Well, listen, uh, the, the last three were extremely well received. They made... Money. Uh, we're we're in the minority. I, I I feel this trailer is like you know there's no human interaction. To None me. at That's all. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Um, I, I was hoping it would snap out of it and just reboot the original film. I think that's what they you know that's what they set up uh, at the end of uh, the James Franco one. I, I thought right. that's the direction they were going to go in, and then they veered off in a completely different direction. You know, 
I, I guess we grew up in the original films and we, we have a love of those films. And, you know, I would argue they're some of the most thought provoking mainstream sci-fi movies of all time. The original is an iconic classic. I, I would start with the original and, and move forward. It appears that they, they don't want to go in that direction. Well, they, they, they tried that and Tim Burton. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's viable either. How about this? Stop making them. Yeah. Find a better well, script. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, like this one. Because I think this is going to be the movie that the, the, the first movie of the summer that's got me excited and, and watching the trailer. I think it looks fantastic. It's called If Imaginary Friends, written by and directed by John Krasinski, starring Ryan Reynolds and Steve Carell lends the voice to the to lead character. Looks this looks very imaginative. It, it'll yes. appeal to families. It'll appeal to kids. It, you know, it's going to have some edge because Krasinski wrote it. Um, he's all in with this, Chuck, and it looks like he's all in saying, hey, look, I, I know I made these scary movies, but I'm going to put the same amount of heart, soul and effort into this type of movie. And I think it's really going to work because the trailer really works. And I think he's got a good vision uh, for big screen movies. I do too. I think he's very talented. Uh, I smell a big box office here, Mike. And how it opens against strangers chapter one. I thought I saw the strangers chapter one, Chuck, because this seems like the strangers chapter like five to me, but they're making another horror movie based on the strangers. Um, the next week, is, Memorial that, is, Day that, is that, is that, I think that's a Rennie Holland film actually. Uh, t t yeah, it is a Rennie Harley Harlan film. Wow, he's still getting work. Um, yes. Furiosa, Mad Max Saga comes out. Uh, Memorial Day weekend against the Garfield movie, which does cast. Somehow Chris Pratt keeps getting work as a voice for all these movies. Mm. Um, but Furiosa, look, I, I, I love Listen, the last it's, Mad it's, Max it's, movie. It, it's on a big weekend. Memorial Day weekend is huge yep. in the industry. It's sort of launching pad for the summer movie movie season i'm not a big i'm not as big a fan of this franchise as you are um i certainly could take it or leave it but we'll see yeah i'm not a big fan of the franchise i just like the last one a lot um tom hardy and charlie's theron obviously this is the origin story of some of some of charlie's theron so yeah i i i i didn't know walking into the mad max last movie uh, fury road that i was gonna love it as much so i'll give this one the benefit of the doubt you have a, a family comedy coming out called Ezra with Robert uh, De Niro and Bobby Cannavale as a stand-up comic. Um, that's actually directed by Tony Goldwyn. That'll come out mm. at the end of May. And then one that's really interesting, Chuck, you, you know me, there's no bigger fan of Anna de Armas than me. I love everything she's been in. She gets her own action film here, although it is in the John Wick universe, but she was everything great in No Time to Die. I wish she had more screen time in the last Bond movie. I'm really looking forward to Ballerina, which comes out. And it'll be the last time we see Lance Reddick, as a matter of fact, too, who's in the John Wick series. So it's in the John Wick universe, but it's all Anna de Armas kicking ass. And I am looking forward to that. Gut feeling's going to find a nice niche in the uh, marketplace. Uh, also out that weekend is The Watchers, a horror movie with... Uh, um, uh, uh, the the Fanning girl, uh, Dakota Fanning, who we haven't seen much on the big screen. Uh, Hitman comes out on Netflix, Chuck, which is interesting because it's directed by Richard Linkletter. Um, stars Glenn Powell, uh, and it looks like a change of pace for Linkletter, and it goes straight to Netflix. So it'll be mm. interesting to see the viability of Glenn Powell uh, on that streaming service. You get two sequels, June 14th, Bad Boys 4 and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Uh, last time we saw Martin Lawrence, he was uh, giving out a, an Emmy, I believe. Uh, he popped up with that Martin reunion at the Emmys. And the last time we saw Will Smith, well, I think he might have been slapping somebody on the face on the stage at an awards ceremony. Bad Boys 4. I actually enjoyed 3. I thought 3 was actually better than it should have been. I wonder yes, what happens great. here with the fourth one. And is there any, you know, Will Smith backlash 
for, for this movie coming out June 14th. I, I think, listen, I, I think you're going to get uh, in this culture, you're going to get a lot of Will Smith backlash. You're going to have a lot of people just, especially on social media, trying to vilify uh, him leading this film. If the movie's really entertaining, does its box office get eroded? I say it probably does. Right. I, I think it probably does. Hopefully, you know, for Will Smith, uh, it doesn't get eroded that much. You know, in a perfect world, you know, I, I'm one of those people, Mike. I got to be honest. I, I do believe in redemption. I in, in, in my mind's eye, I, I sort of wish that Chris Rock would come forward and they bury the hatchet where Smith could move forward with his life. There's a lot of different things he could do in right. our culture right. to um, uh, to 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 make the world a better place. He certainly has the resources and the and the and the power to do it. It, it sort of feels like <coughs> life is just way too short to have such uh, nastiness. I mean, Will Smith caused his own issue. I, I don't deny that, but uh, you know, it's sort of it's sort of sad. <coughs> it is uh, modern day. Uh, uh, I guess what's the best way? Easy Rider, I would think, is the Bike Riders, which stars. Uh, Jody Comer and Austin Butler and Tom Hardy. Pretty good trailer, Chuck. I just don't know the mass appeal of a movie uh, like this. It ends with us. Comes out June 21st as well. That's a love story with Blake Lively. Um, the very next week on June 28th, A Quiet Place, Day One. Um, now this is not Krasinski co-wrote it, Chuck, but it's directed and written for the screen by Michael Cernoski, uh, who was part of the first one. But this stars Jimin Hosu as the lead as the lead here. So I guess we're going to get basically the origin origin story of these aliens. Yeah, I mean, from what I read, it's going to be more of a drama than a than a horror film. Um, no trailer, right? As of yet, no trailer. I have not seen one. No. Um, I, I mean, I, listen. I, I said to you, I, I think this one has a lot of potential uh, if, if they do a lot of the stuff in the opening fifteen minutes of the second film. I think that's now, the way it, to go. We'll see. It, an interesting uh, experiment for movie theaters is Kevin Costner's latest um, Western. Uh, they're calling it a two-part theatrical event. Horizon, an American saga, chapter one comes out June 28th. Chapter two, August 16th. It just goes to show you the world we live in, already knowing that, um, you know, remember back in the day, it was like we get back to the future two and three a year apart. Now we're getting mm -hmm. movies months apart. First time they're doing something like this, Chuck. I think American audiences are ready for something like this. And yes, I do. I like I, the idea I, a lot. I like the idea, and I wonder if Kevin Costner banks in on his Yellowstone appeal and, and gets he a, does, a big uh, box office for this. I, I think he's going to get box office. I think that appeal uh, is is large. And I think, listen, I, I think I think this will be marketed in a certain way to appeal to uh, a more conservative crowd, which is an enormous crowd and it's a good base uh, to hit home on. And I, I think they'll I think they'll embrace uh, this movie, especially if it's good. And I hope it's good. I think Costner is an extremely talented guy. I, I know we're big fans of his career through the ups yeah. and the, uh, the downs, but, but now, I'm glad he got these movies made. I'm glad he's getting them in theaters. I think it's really good. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, um, he, he directed them. So that, that's right. another thing you got to tag on there in, in July. Um, you got Project Artemis, which is a space race movie with Scarlett Johansson and Channing Tatum coming out in July 12th. But the rest of July right now, Chuck, it'll get filled in are all really sequels. 
who wins the race between Despicable Me, 4th of July, Twisters, July 19th, and Deadpool 3, July 26th. I think you and I are both in agreement that Twisters is the most intriguing to see what they do with mm-hmm. it. But yeah. which which sequel, per se, comes out on top there? Well, if you look at what you described this year coming out in theaters, the superhero genre is fairly nil, except for the, the, the one caveat, and it's a huge caveat in Deadpool 3. Now, on, I'm on record that I don't like the Deadpool character. It's another character to me that, I don't know, I, I, I just feel... It, you know, the profanity-laced uh, sense of humor. I'm not a big fan, but it has a huge fan base. There's a ton. Uh, this is a multiverse story, and you got Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, who's going to play central role with Deadpool. You got a lot of characters. That's big that are appeal. Make That's big surpri- appeal. Yeah, it's huge appeal. You're going to have a lot of, of characters making cameos or surprise appearances in this film. This movie's going to make a lot of money. This, this movie's not going to have the superhero fatigue this is going to be a massive movie when it's hit when it hits theaters uh in august uh chuck we've got a whole slate of movies that are coming out uh, maybe the most intriguing would be alien romulus will come out august the 16th another installment in the alien franchise fede alvarez wrote and direct this one no major stars attached to it chuck um i, I think this is aliens on earth at some point i don't know much about the storyline of what they're going to do with this great alien character the only thing i know is that really scott got a chance to watch this film and he came out and said it was excellent and he's not one of those people that just gives uh, uh a lip service because he has uh, actually ha- has actually openly uh talked to stain for some uh, for a project that uh he did a movie and i think they sequelized uh, it wasn't a big uh, i that might have been the, the 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 blade runner uh s- sequel I, I don't think he was a big fan of that film i could be I could be wrong, but, uh, you know, he gave it his endorsement, unlike James Cameron, who gave his endorsement to all those Terminator films, mm-hmm. and most of them turned out not not very good. Um, I hope it's a good Alien movie. Uh, but oh. again, you know, we talk about this so many times. After James Cameron's Aliens, which is the pinnacle of all Alien movies, despite, you know, the support of Alien. I know Alien's a very good movie, but to me, Aliens is just iconic. It's a perfect, it's an amazing film. Uh, you're not going to do anything as good. That's just the problem with that franchise in general. I watched it uh, again. My daughter was introduced to Aliens last weekend. She absolutely loved it. Blown through the back of the theater, kind of loved it. Um, and she yeah. asked me, you know, and then you, you watch the ending to that movie and you just get pissed off even more mm-hmm. about where the, where the story. And she asks me, well, can we watch the next one? And I said, no, we're not watching it. We're not watching Alien 3. The story ends here, as far as I'm concerned. And it should end here. I mean, you're going mean, to... What they do to these characters is just asinine. It's sacrilegious. It's like if they made a it sequel is. to It's a Wonderful Life, and they killed off half of George Bailey's family. I mean, you can't you can't do that. Um, and so, David Fincher yeah, did it. And David Fincher did it. And and and, um, I, and, and not Fox like... And listen, it's, it, it's not like Alien 3 is not an extremely watchable movie. It is taking it on its, taken in on its own merit it's it's a solid watch, but the right. problem the problem is David Fincher through all his you know brilliant uh, filmmaking uh, craft uh, made a conscious decision to say you know I don't really care what happens to Newt uh, and and the, and the Michael Hicks Michael Bean's character and just awesome uh, pre credit of Alien Three and like how do you do that. You don't. Like, how do you do that? But he did. Also, also in August, which we'll probably learn more about next week, because Chuck's going to talk to Eli Roth, his new movie coming out, 
uh, based on the video game Borderlands, which actually stars Kevin Hart, Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jack Black. Um, looks very interesting. So we're going to learn more about that film, uh, which comes out in August with an all-star cast. And you get a new M. Night Shyamalan movie called Trap. And then Marvel again with Craven the Hunter, which actually stars uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's already in the Marvel world, but he's playing Craven now. And you get Beetlejuice 2, Labor Day weekend, Chuck. And we've talked about Beetlejuice 2. And, and and you know we get we get uh, you know Michael Keaton again uh, back in an iconic character like he did earlier last year. You know it's going to be exciting when when they when they release the uh, first trailer to Beetlejuice too. That's going to be exciting for me. That's yeah. going to be because I have so many fond memories of why of watching a film. I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan, and you know to see Keaton back as Beetlejuice after he got a chance to come back brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly in my opinion as Bruce Wayne. Batman, I, I think, is uh, very special. Very, very to, special. To me, the summer revolves around if, Chuck, do you have one movie in your mind that the summer is going to revolve around right now? I, I think I think, I think, think Beetlejuice 2, for me, is right. the one I look forward to the most. For, for, for uh, Just to hawk and back and reflect on you know the way movies used to be. I mean, Burton says a lot of his movies are all practical, which I think is really cool. Instead of just CG, CGIing sure. it, but uh, you know the one good positive about all the movies you listed is really only one superhero movie, it's Deadpool three. And yeah, I think unless you count Craven, to, but yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean that one. I think the industry needs 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 to take a deep breath and a breather for superhero movies. And then you know I'm fine with you know in 2025 watching uh, Superman uh, Legacy and the in the Batman two. And just you and know all the Spider-Man side characters, too, right? yeah. I mean, a, yeah. listen, I, I think you got to get back to the nucleus of that genre and just make so many, just make less of them, and then do other stuff and get people back into you know going to multiplexes to watch diverse product. Um, well, let's very, hope they it's do a very it. interesting time. Let's hope they do it this summer, Chuck. Uh, it was always a pleasure. We'll do this all over again next week. And to the audience, thank you very much, Mike. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Movie Moments with Chuck Curry and Mike Rags. Download and listen to an archive show or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear our new episodes.